Hello and welcome again to another edition of Irreligiosophy, where since January 2009, we have put our best scientist in show on the task of discovering the cure for premature detonation. That fat kid is working harder than I've seen fat kids work before. You know, I've heard Asian kids are good at this stuff, but I had no idea how good. <laughs> Did someone get after us? For uh, they're like, I, I know you're lying now because no one from North Korea is fat. Yeah, yeah. Well, apparently he's never seen our fat Korean face. I mean, this little kid has a face like the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man. Listen, man, I I can't afford this. You know, I'm pretty sure he's hiding food in his cheeks. They can't be that big just on their own. <laughs> he's starting to eat my shoe. <laughs> Save the shoelaces. You can transfer them to your new shoes. <laughs> These are expensive shoes. Are they the penny loafers with the actual penny? Yeah, and he ate the penny, too. He's supposed to limit himself to a cardboard box a day, but now Didn't he's eating my shoes. did we chain him up to the wall? <laughs> did he eat the chain, too, you fat bastard? <laughs> and it's it's really hard because we try to beat him, but the stick just sinks in. <laughs> if anybody's ever seen the blob, you'll <laughs> see what it's like when this kid goes after food. I mean, it just kind of rolls over the food and then just absorbs it, I'm sure. Nothing is working. None of our uh, prior parental skills have, uh, have worked. Fortunately, we have a skunk dick that uh, might help us here. Really? And and what would be the best method to keep Inshul in line? Clearly, it is uh, making the kid drink hot sauce. Ah, that's not good enough. I drink hot sauce for my food. You know, <laughs> hot sauce probably won't do it. He'll probably just slurp that stuff up. What we might want to give him is insanity sauce. Have you ever tried that? Ooh, Dave's Insanity Sauce. Yeah, I uh, I won 70 bucks by not only eating a spoonful of it, a tablespoon of it, but they got to roll it around my entire mouth to make sure it was good and absorbed well. Why am I not surprised? Yeah, actually, a, a drop of it fell out and bleached the carpet where I was standing. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> but I won the money, so that's all i got to say. That, that's all that's important. Forget about uh -huh. your uh, totally destroyed insides you win 70 bucks <laughs> this is uh, Anchorage uh, LDS mom Jessica Beagley appears on Dr. Phil's mommy confession to discuss hot sauce child discipline uh, she is actually a stake primary president so she's not just primary president of her ward she's primary president over what how many is a stake like six eight wards yeah yeah stake is a collection of wards in a in a certain region and the amount of wards depends on just uh how many members are within that region so um she much like your parents adopted a bunch of russian children and then just abuses them yeah, yeah, it was stated in there that she had six children, and then you find out she's adopted at least three Russian children. How common is this in Mormon culture, where you just shit out a bunch of kids, you're not satisfied with that, and you adopt a bunch more? 
I think it's more common than we realize because I know my aunt did it. I know there was a woman down the street from my aunt that did it. There was my mom, and now I'm finding out this. It, it must be just rampant in LDS culture, and they just don't say anything about it. So there's this uh, video. Apparently, one of Bagley's other kids shot a video of Jennifer, this is the mom, disciplining her seven-year-old Russian adoptee son, Kristoff. On the video, Jessica is observed to be verbally reproving Kristoff for having received three discipline cards in elementary school for throwing pencils, sword fighting with another child, and acting out in another class. Now, the second one, the sword fighting, um, that I can see because you're supposed to keep your pants on while you're in elementary school. (laughs) Well, sometimes when the urge to mushroom stamps overtakes (laughs) small boys, you just have to get it out of your system. (laughs) Probably not appropriate to be whipping it out and sword fighting with another kid in in elementary school. Uh, 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 There is one exception to that rule, and if it's just so magnificent that you have to share it, then that's the (laughs) exception to the rule. How is that possible in elementary school? <laughs> the kid's seven years I'm just, old. I'm just putting it out there. If there's an exception to the rule, that would be it. All right. The principal says, I brought your son in, but my mistake, his penis is so magnificent, I withdraw the discipline card. I would actually have him write that down on a letter and say, <laughs> Look what my son has done. <laughs> Your son has my permission to sword fight in any class he wants. Yes, but I'm just so tell impressed. Him to leave the children's heads on their shoulders <laughs> with stamps. So, so she makes him drink some uh, hot sauce, but apparently that's not good enough. Then she makes him take a cold shower. Well, and you the can hot hear him sauce crying. was because he was lying to her about why he got the cards. The cold shower comes from the uh, the husband, Gary Beagley who says, in the military, we use cold showers for discipline to get people's attention. And so the cold shower is if a card is pulled. Apparently he also marches all nine of his children ten fucking miles in the hot sun with a 70-pound backpack on. I can see that. My mother used to get me up at five and make us run a mile before we go to school. <laughs> all right, kids. Time for push-ups. <laughs> fuck is using his goddamn military as as the best way to discipline your children <laughs> code yeah, red yeah, fuckers but... code red uh, oh no we're at threat level z everybody duck <laughs> now children Kristoff has been um uh very uh rowdy tonight so i want you to all get some soap and some blankets we're gonna have a blanket party on Kristoff. <laughs> uh, charlie it's tube socks and soap duh is that what it is i'm you sorry I'm... swing on it when it's in a tube stock and when you beat it down to powder it hurts even more i've never been in the military <laughs> i'll take your word for it <laughs> yeah, yeah well, it, it's kind of odd because with with things like this i'm a little bit callous um not towards the kid because i don't think he should get it but just because uh, this is basically what i grew up with anyway so i'm a little bit callous towards it yeah i remember spending the night at your parents house i think uh playing a role-playing game with one of your brothers or something it went into the wee hours of the night and uh when i got up in the morning, uh, it was to crying. Apparently, one of your adopted brothers had uh, peed his bed, and he was being forced to take a cold shower or a cold bath or something like that. 
Yeah, that was pretty regular. Um, we, uh, I had several adopted brothers who had troubles even into their teens peeing, and uh, sometimes they would get up in the middle of the night and just pee on the wall for uh, no known apparent reason. But, I mean, that, that that's not really too bad. The one instance I really remember is I was probably five or six, and uh, somebody had stolen money from somebody else, and my dad couldn't get any of us to confess, so he had the bright idea to make us all kneel in front of the front room couch. He pulled out a stick, and he began whooping us until uh, one of us would confess. But all that did was make everybody cry, and he wound up whooping us so hard that he worked himself into exhaustion, and then he sent us all to bed. I mean, like I said, I'm a little callous when it comes to this. I don't think it should be done, but I'm a little callous. At least the kid didn't get his ass beat by a stick or something he didn't do. (laughs) In my dad's defense, I can guarantee you he got the guilty party in there once or twice. Your dad always gets his man. Who cares how many innocent children he has to beat the shit out of? At least he got the right one somewhere in there. Uh, well, you know, it's it's funny, because I asked him about it later on, and I said, Dad, wh- why did you do that? And he said that he literally thought that as soon as the offending child saw that somebody else was going to get hurt in their stead, that they would fess up because they'd feel so bad about it. And then he said that it kind of backfired, because all it wound up in doing was uh, whipping us, and a few of us started crying, and then he just got angrier because the kid wouldn't fess up to it, so he started whipping harder, and... Yeah, that was a backfire moment right there. But I'm sure he would have claimed that it was uh, inspired by God, right? Well, right? I, I've While he was doing it. God's, yeah, this is God's way of judging. Everybody on your knees. All right, which one of you committed sodomy? I'm going to start on the left and work my way down. <laughs> I'm going to beat the shit out of all these innocent kids in the vain hope that... I mean, the kid knows he's going to get beat either way. He's hoping that at least he'll tucker himself out beating on the other children (laughs) that never works (laughs) well see that again was one of my dad's mistakes i don't think he realized it but he started at the youngest children first and moved his way up to the adults what ones of us at five maybe six are really thinking about money (laughs) hot damn 20 bucks (laughs) i'm gonna go buy me a bunch of lollipops Wow, Laffy Taffy's. I could have jokes to last for a year. Oh, God. Well, I don't think your dad is ever accused of being a deep thinker. (laughs) I'll I'll pass that comment on to him. He'll be much appreciative. Excellent. What else we got? Well, uh, I say we move on to this one. The Obama administration's don't care policy on Christian persecution. I support that policy. I don't care either. I actually throw my caution to the wind and state very eagerly, uh, let the fuckers die. (laughs) So what this is about is that uh, this uh, Christian apparently is very miffed at the Obama administration. The Obama administration has not shown us it cares about the persecution of Christians. This is obvious. At a time of rising persecution of Christians throughout Muslim lands, the president has nominated Dr. Susan Johnson Cook a motivational speaker with questionable qualifications, to hold the critical position of U.S. Ambassador-at-Large for International Religious Freedom. I never heard of this post before. Well, I I don't know. Uh, The whole thing irritates me 
Because, well, take this comment, for example. We have to balance urgent U.S. security needs, including our need for allies in the war on terror, with America's heavy responsibilities to speak for the voiceless. Listen here, you motherfucker. We aren't a worldwide police agency. We are a country in a world with other countries. Christians are apparently voiceless because they're the largest religion on the planet. Two yeah. fucking billion Christians, and they're fucking voiceless. Jesus yeah. Christ. But appointing someone to a post I've never fucking heard of before will solve that problem. Yeah, because, You guys are all getting yeah. all worked up about this because someone they don't think is competent is going to take the critical post of U.S. Ambassador-at-Large for International Religious Freedom. <laughs> you think the Muslims are going... Oh, thank God he posted some no-name motivational speaker. I might have actually had to give these Christians religious freedom. If they posted someone who's qualified. It's a party over here. Look who they nominated. Let's just bring out all the Christians and start at it. (laughs) Stupidest things I've ever heard. All right, then they bring up this. In 2006, Family Research Council's president, Tony Perkins, called for U.S. action to save the life of Abdul Rahman. Rahman, an Afghan, was threatened with death for the crime of having converted to Christianity. The government of Hamid Karzai, from the lowest village council all the way up to the parliament judiciary, was in full-throated cry for this innocent man's blood. Oh, bullshit. Was there that was... recorded? Because I'd like to hear that full-throated yeah. cry from everybody. Yeah, me too. The deep-throated cry. <laughs> Full throated. That means the dick's already in there. So it was. It was more of a. <laughs> <laughs> so it was. A, it was a trumpet sound. Then <laughs> somebody should have explained to them that that's not a musical instrument. They can't blow on it. As I remember it, uh, really, no one in Afghanistan wanted to execute this guy except for a bunch of Muslim clerics, and it was kind of embarrassing to them. And they were looking for a way out. And so they uh, essentially just exiled him. Yeah, that kind yeah. of. He uh, walked away in exile. Right. However, the way this guy plays it is that uh, due to Condoleezza Rice jumping in there and battling the president Karzai himself, that that's how this Christian was saved. But I love how they put it. Doubtless, Secretary Rice explained the political facts of life to Karzai. U.S. support for his notoriously corrupt government would evaporate, she probably said, if he allowed an Afghan national to be murdered simply for embracing Christianity. Now, that is where we draw the line. You can't (laughs) persecute a Christian. Christian. If you do that, then we're going to withdraw support for your notoriously corrupt government. Yeah. One man's (laughs) life is worth an entire government. If you don't do that, then we'll continue to support your notoriously corrupt government. (laughs) fucking assholes and that apparently is okay no problem is worth it to put a stop to that corrupt support heaven forbid we persecute a Christian but uh, you know we gotta allow this corrupt government to continue doing what it does the the Christians want to do that just so they can spare another Christian fuck you yeah pretty much fuck you alright what else you got woman charged over dog hanged for chewing bible (laughs) Ah, uh, this is this is probably my favorite for the week because uh, we have a 65-year-old woman by the name of Miriam Smith, whose uh, nephew's dog, I believe, was it the nephew? Uh, yeah, her nephew's pit bull. Yeah, the nephew's pit bull chewed up a Bible, and so she determined that it was a devil dog, took it outside, hung it with an electrical cord, 
and then lit it on fire. Because hanging it uh, wasn't enough. You got to burn the devil dog. Yeah, and her reason for doing it was because she was afraid that this devil dog would run rampant throughout the neighborhood and kill all the children. Well, it is a pit bull. Uh-huh. And That's it, what it they did. did. It did show a complete lack of morality by chewing on the Bible, the whole source <laughs> of full morality. If a dog will chew on the Bible, there's no stopping it. The depths <laughs> of the depravity that that dog will sink to. My God, how did this woman survive? She must have been battling flames coming out of this dog's ass. Authorities said the remains of the dog were found under a pile of grass with part of an electric cord around its neck. So if you're going to torture a dog, you probably want to remove the evidence of uh, your torture. It was a hint for the future. She had to wash dishes later. She killed a female dog named Diamond because it was a devil dog. And she worried it could harm neighborhood children. The fact that it was a pit bull didn't really matter. The fact that it gnawed on the end of a Bible, that, that was it. Yeah, that, they, that oh, was these, the deciding... These Christians, I just their priorities are unbelievable. All right, um, my vote is for the dumbass, whining, Christian persecution people. I'm sorry, I love the woman uh, hanging and burning a dog. That... that uh, that's just. <laughs> are you gonna you're gonna give it to the um, lady, or are you gonna give it to the dog for chewing on a Bible? Uh, it's a toss up, but I think the dog wins it hands down. <laughs> the dog's a skunk dick. <laughs> yeah, what what the fuck, dog? Leave the Bible. This is the word of Christ, and you are pissing on it. Thank and the good Lord she stepped in before that dog ate any small children. Had you been alive long enough, pup, you would have been shitting on the Bible as it was moving through. Unless they are Christian children, and then Obama just wouldn't have cared. <laughs> well, that's the only reason this woman is in jail right now. It's because of Obama's uh, just decided disregard for Christians. This is another instance of Christian persecution. <laughs> you know what? We should send that, that writer of that article a letter letting him know about this woman's little plight. All right, let's feed this shit into the computer and see what we got. The winner actually is uh, entitled Suicide Bomber Blown Up Prematurely by Spam Text. Yeah, and Inchel will be coming out with a cream that'll put a stop to premature detonation. So, Yeah, this is um, interesting. This is uh, apparently an explosive belt that's set off, remotely activated by a text. And uh, this particular woman uh, got a spam text from her mobile phone company wishing her a happy new year, and it blew up her explosive belt, along taking her along with two other bombers. Yeah, this was in Russia. It was right after uh, some uh, bombs going off in airports and such things like that. Actually, the terrorist activity in Russia is escalating. Now, the important thing to take from this is the fact that they have a cell phone strapped to them, and the reason why is they have a handler who stands back at a safe distance and when they're in position sets it off. Does Is that because they don't trust uh, the pussy factor within their bombers there? <laughs> they want to make sure they go through with it, right? <laughs> Can't have a, a nervous uh, bomb finger, I guess. Oh, well, God, I don't want to text myself. I think I'll just keep walking. Yeah, I've changed my mind, uh, you know, seeing the bright world around me. Shit, Handler, don't send that text. (laughs) Fuck this, I'm just going to update my Facebook status. (laughs) I'm just going to put depressed on Twitter. People will know what I mean. 
I've decided not to. Well, shit. <laughs> Where's my self? Fuck, I even got ripped out on the uh, virgins here. None to be found. No. Yeah, if you're a Russian suicide bomber, what do you got? I don't know. It's uh, it's it's Islamist extremists yet again. Um, and what they want is a plot of land sectioned out in Russia for them to call their own. That's what they're killing themselves for? That's what they're killing themselves over. I assume it's they... They want their own little country. However, uh, I'm noticing that there's a piece of paper still stuck inside of the skunk dick machine. What is that? Huh. Actually, is that another, is that another winner? Yeah, it, it has your name on it. Why would you be a skunk dick? Woohoo! I won. <laughs> well, it's about fucking time. You've been uh, sucking up all those awards lately. Yeah, now, uh, this, this comes from the main host of the pre-show. Uh, and this is what it says. Mr. Allred, how are the applications for the pre-show co-hosts coming along? Are they flooding in as you anticipated? I hope so. If not, I wonder why. Could it be due to Chuck's misogynistic belittling of the pre-show and its hosts? It's a long shot, but reducing the invitation for applications for co-hosts to a giggling schoolgirl like the request for videos of boobs may have had something to do with it. Charles? I felt personally offended and femininely oppressed by your air inference that Leighton's conceptualization of a pre-show was a ruse to obtain, or excuse me, a ruse to obtain videos of female fans' perky, soft, and receptive breasts. There's did more, say, but I got lost on that. Did you say inference? Inference. <laughs> <laughs> That's wait, wait, all wait. I heard out of all I of that. I just quoted inference. perky, soft, and receptive breasts, and you get inference. I'm stuck on your pronunciation of inference. Inference. You're saying the same thing. You said inference. It was close enough. So wait, your your co-host of the pre-show is accusing me of misogyny. Well, it, I I'm your co-host, jackass. No, this is the lead host of the PMS show, uh, tentatively PMS show, the pre-main show, and she's a little irritated that. You would demean her show by uh, by pointing out perky, soft, and receptive breasts. So it's called the PMS show? Uh, tentative title. She's still working up one. Perky, soft, and receptive breasts. So it's called pre-main show show? I think it's called perky, soft, and receptive breasts. <laughs> you seem to be stuck in a time loop. One of those Star Trek-induced warp time loops. If you want to call it a time loop, I'll go along with that, but <laughs> it's a different loop I'm moving. Speaking of which, how many people did you get after I completely demeaned your entire idea? Uh, three, but there's one that I intend on <laughs> Wait, getting in touch with. You got our entire fan base? Uh-huh. <laughs> and you know what? 100% of our listeners yeah, applied. Yeah. Two of them were girls, which uh, I uh, will be talking with one after this show to see if she's got any gusto or if I should send her packing. So, All right, well, good luck with that. Our show today is about, you remember the Haunting in Connecticut episode we did? You know what I remember most about that is the fact that you kept losing the goddamn DVDs, and so we would rent it, watch it, and then we wouldn't do the show, and I had to watch that thing like six times. Yeah, we should have just read the book. We actually have the author on the show who wrote the book and did the initial investigation, Ray Garten. Well, isn't a picture worth a thousand words? So if I'm seeing 26 pictures in a second, isn't that better than a book? Sorry, I forgot you can't read. Thank you. Now everybody knows.
Hello. Hello. Is this Ray? Yeah, this is Ray. Hang on just a second. That noise should stop any second now. Sure. Oh, there it goes. There okay. we go. Sorry about that. I don't know what's wrong with our phone. It's haunted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or possessed. If you guys would just pay attention to the actual clues, you would know that it was haunted. It, it's EVP, <laughs> right? The electronic voice phenomenon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Next, it's probably going to anally rape me. <laughs> if, if you're lucky. If we could do that on air, that that would be good for our ratings. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm Chuck. This is Leighton. Uh, Leighton, uh, his first name is pronounced Ray, if you are wondering. Uh, I'm sure I'll do my best to ignore that fact. <laughs> <laughs> nice to meet you guys. Yeah, thanks for coming on the show. Um, let, let's have you introduce yourself, because I'm sure Leighton hasn't done any research for this podcast whatsoever in keeping with this tradition. <laughs> well, of okay. course. Uh, there was nothing on Wikipedia I could find. So There was a list of his novels that he wrote. Maybe if I would have looked at Wikipedia. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> now, that Wikipedia entry is not... Um is not accurate. I don't remember what's inaccurate, but the last time I looked, there was. I need to fix that. I just haven't gotten around to it. Uh, so you mean the um, 22 pornographic novels that you wrote aren't actually... <laughs> actually, I'm up to 60 books. Um, <laughs> Excellent. All pornographic. About... <laughs> well, most of them, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really do need to look you up. Now. Are there pictures <laughs> along with the words? No, unfortunately, but... Uh, if I've done my job, you'll paint plenty of pictures with your mind. <laughs> uh, you forget whose mind you're talking about. Uh, but <laughs> but Leighton, uh, he has written some erotic horror fiction. It's right up your alley. <laughs> now, uh, yeah, my first, tell me the truth. First... Does does Cthulhu rape any maidens? <laughs> Pardon me? Does Cthulhu, does he use his tentacles to rape any maidens? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, then it's not as good as Japanese anime, so... No, but there are fanged vaginas and um, <laughs> vampire blowjobs through glory holes. Uh, See, Leighton? Like it's like you're writing the novels. <laughs> wow. I, I didn't think anybody would think about that thing such as I would. <laughs> so, 60 books. Um, w is it safe to say that your your area of expertise is horror, or do you branch out and do a bunch of other... Like nonfiction, for example. Well, I've done other stuff. It's just that after you become successful in a, in a particular genre, people don't seem to be that interested in anything else you want to do. Gotcha. And um, and I've been trying, especially lately, to do other stuff because in publishing, the horror genre is about as dead as the Lindbergh baby. Um, it's it's really hard to get anyone to take me seriously, though, writing things that don't fall in the horror genre. Gotcha. And I've Your written typecast. a book. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, I have a new publisher, and they have just published uh, one of my my newest non-horror novel, which is Trailer Park Noir, and they'll soon be publishing another thriller called Meds, which isn't horror. Um, you know, and I, I would suggest for your sales to actually pay us to do a commercial, because we've had whopping success <laughs> with our commercials. We did really? it. We did a commercial for the Bacon Gospels, and their sales dropped 70% during the time the commercial was running. <laughs> so, we can guarantee you the same results. So in the future, I think we're going to have to pay people to do advertisements on our show. <laughs> so well, you I, have, I've, I was going to say you have uh, Trailer Park Noir and uh, Meds. What's Meds about? Meds is a thriller about um, 
the dark side of pharmaceutical drugs um, and the fact that pharmaceutical companies tend to sometimes fudge on their research and their testing, and they also actively cover up dangerous side effects that they don't want the public to know about. And they're so wealthy, I mean, they're so just incredibly rich, that when the side effects start happening and people sue them, you know, it's, it's barely a drop in the bucket to them to pay off, to, you know, to put out a big, uh, make a big settlement with somebody who took a drug and went crazy and killed his family or, or killed himself or, uh, you know, uh, went blind or something. And it's only after enough of these happen that they, <laughs> that they can't ignore them anymore, that they start warning people about them. And um, I, I did a lot of research for this book, and what I learned was just terrifying. Well, you'd think that they'd, you know, learn over and over again after the, you know, this has happened again and again and again. You think they'd learn um, to be honest and upfront about this stuff, but it, it, you know, if if they make billions and billions and billions of dollars on a blockbuster drug, uh, mm-hmm. and the longer they can hide this stuff, the more profit they can make, and then finally, if they have to pay a uh, ten or a hundred million dollar lawsuit, big deal. Yeah, yeah morality always takes a back seat when money's concerned. So, oh, definitely, definitely. Um, and it only takes a backseat if it's there in the first place. Right. True. Speaking of money taking a backseat to the truth, <laughs> how about <laughs> tell us about in a dark place? Well, um, I wish I, I wish that uh, there had been a lot of money involved in that, but there wasn't. <laughs> um, yeah, if you're gonna, it worth it for you. If you're gonna sell <laughs> yeah. out, Ray, you got to sell out big. <laughs> Well, this was back um, in his early career, so he was still learning how to be a sellout. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm still trying to sell out. I just can't <laughs> find any buyers. Um, Tell us about it. Well, my agent um, offered me this job. She she had an opportunity to plug me into this project that Ed and Lorraine Warren were doing, and I had been familiar with them because, as a kid, I used to read about their exploits in the National Enquirer. I was the kind of kid who read the National Enquirer, um, <clears throat> and they were they were always very entertaining. And I thought it would be fun to do something with them and just to get to meet them. So I said yes, and she told me about the story that it was a family in Connecticut who uh, had moved into a house that was a former funeral home, and they were haunted by ghosts and demons, and there was a lot of uh, anal sex going on, and <clears throat> so it kind of sounded right up my alley. <laughs> I saw I that. Thought, it, I saw that in the movie. That was. Um, <laughs> I thought they probably should have had an NC-17 on that, with all the ghost raping and anal sexing going on. Well, yeah, I never. They, they didn't show that much. They just showed spitting into the palms, and you had to imagine. The rest. <laughs> <laughs> so, now, now, Ray, I'm actually curious. Um, before you walked into this, you write horror books. You write all these stories involving spirits, things like that. What is your belief system? Do you actually believe there are demons and ghosts out there? No, no, I'm an atheist. Um, I love I, <laughs> and I, uh, and when I went into this, I, I thought that I would be dealing with a family who, of people who sincerely believed that they had had some sort of supernatural encounter, and that was fine with me. You know, even if I didn't share that belief with them, I went into this thinking that it was a sincere story. An opportunity to go poke fun at the monkeys at the zoo, in other words. Right. <laughs> I was wrong. I went to Connecticut and spent time with them, and um, they couldn't, well, before I, I don't want to get ahead of myself, Carmen 
was <clears throat> operating some kind of illegal interstate lottery scam. And I kind of accidentally found out about it while I was there. And she kept saying, don't tell anyone. Don't tell. You're not going to put that in the book, are you? <laughs> and to be fair, I, who hasn't run an illegal interstate lottery scam? Right. Yeah, well, when you've got ghosts behind you, you have to do what you have to do to get out of the <laughs> <Yeah>. situation. <laughs> so they're a little strapped for money in the first place, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I started getting their story, and I, I, I had a little microcassette recorder, and... Uh, recorded our conversations, and I have a number of tapes of uh, of them and talking with the Warrens. And I was having a hard time getting the individual stories to mesh. They were they were kind of out of sync. Uh, the, the details weren't falling together. And I and I tried to fix that and couldn't. So I went to Ed Warren and I said I told I explained the problem. You know, I said these stories aren't matching up. And Ed said, Oh, they're crazy. And and Lorraine was with us. We were in a coffee shop at the time. <clears throat> And Ed said, um, oh, they're crazy. All the people who come to us are crazy. That's why they come to us. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now, Leighton, you know who these guys are, right? This is Ed and Lorraine yeah. Warren, the Amityville Horror guys. Those are the two guys. people that looked like they were wearing Victorian-era clothing when they were on that uh, in documentary. The t- in the where, TV where, show, does yeah. she actually wear that stuff out into public? Yeah, she wears the, the little uh, the frilly collared uh, uh, <laughs> puffy sleeve things, yeah. So this isn't has, just to get dressed has, up for a documentary. It's actually normal <laughs> clothing. That was her. Um, she ha- and she has the tall um, Marge Simpson hair, and um, <laughs> they're, they they come off as very pleasant at first. They're like, you know, your favorite aunt and uncle. But there's a big difference between the way they behave when they're when they're putting on their little show and the way they behave when they're, they're, they're they don't have an audience. I spent some time in their house, and uh, boy, they they like to tell they like to convince people that they're very uh, religious, <clears throat> that they're devout Catholics. But <laughs> Ed just curses like a sailor, and you can't disagree with him because he he. Well, he, I, I I'm speaking in the present tense. Ed Ed has gone to that great haunted house scam in the sky. <laughs> um, but he <clears throat> he would get very angry. He had a temper. They went on the Sally Jesse Raphael show to plug this this book. And the, the name of the Sally Jesse Raphael show was, I was I slept with or I was raped by a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know there's going to be a lot of scientific information. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And and during the show, Sally brought out a bed on the stage, and she said to Carmen and, and Ed, um, or, or Carmen and Al Snedeker, show us what happened. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a cucumber in the place of the ghost. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they uh, well, Joe Nickel was on the panel. He was a, he was a guest on that same show. And, Excellent. Leighton, I'm sure, knows and, who Joe Nickel is. And he the one that wrote the book because you refused? No, no, no. Joe Nickel's a paranormal investigator. Very oh, famous. One of the shit. most famous. He was like the family member to these two crockpots or something. He's not related to these guys at all. He wasn't in the story at all. They probably just pulled him in as no. an expert because that's what he does. He's yeah, a, they pulled him in as a, a sort of to debunk the whole thing, which he did quite handily. Um, yeah. And they also, if I'm not mistaken, they had a neighbor uh, on that show too. Um, but Joe Nickel was, uh, he, he at, at one point, I understand backstage, I wasn't there. I saw the show on TV, and I heard later that uh, backstage, after, or I think it was after the show, 
Ed had to be physically restrained to keep from beating up Joe Nichol. Wow. Because <laughs> that's just wow. the kind of guy Ed was. <laughs> There's a wonderful um, current affair clip on, on YouTube that covers this story. And one of the reporters, um, you know, kind of questions their story. And Ed gets so angry, he finally, he finally walks off. But for a second, it looks like he's going to, you know, make a move on the, on the reporter. <laughs> it's amazing he lived so long. Yeah, I, I think know. he would have stroked out. You couldn't you couldn't disagree with him. You couldn't have a discussion about that in which in which the story was questioned. Uh, the discussion always had to accept their story as as a given as as truth. Otherwise, Ed would just get so angry, and um, he was difficult. <clears throat> it's interesting well, that personality trait because he's. On the one hand, on the one side of his mouth, he's he's making fun of these crazy people. On the other hand, boy, if you don't accept this crazy ass story, <laughs> I will kill yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, well, it's his money That's train. I mean. You can't lose his money train. Yeah, there's a, like I said, there's a big difference between the Warrens when there was no audience and the Warrens when people were listening or there was a camera around. When I when I told him about the the problem I was having with the Snedekers, he said, "Well, you know, they're crazy. All the people who come to us are crazy. That's why they come to us." And he said, "You write scary books." That's why we hired you. You write scary books, so use what you can and make the rest up and just make it scary. And I found out that, uh, I learned a lot after my experience with them, that they always hire horror novelists, you know, horror fiction writers, to write their books. And they sense. never work with the same one twice because nobody will sure. work with them twice. <laughs> right. That's a given. And other writers have told the same story that I'm telling right now. That basically, you know, all the same details. So I'm not the I'm not the only one. I'm just the only one who's who's gone public with it. I I I was so annoyed by this whole thing because I, it didn't take me long to figure out that there was no sincerity here at all. This was concocted from the beginning as a way to you know get a book or movie deal. It's pretty cynical, and both what, both from the Snedekers and from the Warrens, right? I mean, it didn't oh, sound yeah, like anyone yeah. was honest. Yeah, Carmen uh, frequently, multiple times, asked me, you know, how much money do you think we'd make off of a movie of this? <laughs> and I, uh, how much which, money? Which and in and of itself is astonishing. How is it uh, that they got a documentary, they got a, a blockbuster movie out of this? This is just insanity. Oh, come on. I don't the, know. These are some of the but highest they, rated you know, the, reality shows on oh, TV right now. Yeah, once true. I once I figured this out, I started telling people right away my story and 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 just denouncing the book as soon as it was published. Your and own book? The, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm starting to figure out why you haven't been all that successful in your career. <laughs> There's a reason you haven't been called back to do any more reports on things. <laughs> That's awesome. You, so you essentially went on a publicity tour against your own book. That's fantastic. Well, I didn't go on tour or anything. I just told the story whenever the opportunity arose, and then once I got online, I started telling it there because I knew that this story was going to be so easily debunked that I didn't want anyone pointing their name, and I had my name on the cover. Yeah, that's true. I didn't want, them, didn't want anyone pointing their finger at me and shouting fraud. <laughs> so I beat them to it, and they came out and said, "This is all bullshit." <laughs> um, <laughs> God, uh, what a great story! What a great and, story! And that's, that, your, that's your first problem. If you would have just remained quiet, they would have made a blockbuster, and you would have been a millionaire. <laughs> but no, yeah, you, you had to let morality in. You'd be writing that I, screenplay. <laughs> well, my story has stayed the same all these years. Carmen's story keeps changing. 
In fact, it's changed so much that she is now writing a new book about this with uh, John Zaffis, who is the nephew of Ed and Lorraine Warren. And uh, when I was when I was there and met them, Zaffis was around, but uh, Lorraine made it very clear to me that he was not one of their investigators. He was not on the team. He was just observing because he wanted to go into the family business. And now, according to the story, he was a lead investigator. He w- he experienced all these things, and he was there. He was he was practically in charge of the whole thing. This is the dude who I think on that documentary watched Layton. Uh, he was all alone, and the family was in the living room. He got pulled out to the uh, downstairs, and he was and attacked this by this, flames yeah, this fiery demon. And we're like thinking, a blue dart, someone lit off or something. <laughs> immediately, <laughs> immediately, we're thinking the guy's whole reason to be there is to document strange things, right? So he gets yeah. up, feels some tingling on the back of his neck, doesn't bring a camera or a microphone. Bullshit. Yeah. Just I wanders know. down. His whole point of being there, and he forgets it <laughs> He's at the surrounded, one opportunity. Surrounded by high tech equipment, and just walks off. God, oh, you oh know, man. there's never there there's never any video. There's never yeah. any audio. I they told me as soon as I got there, we have videotape. We're going to show you. You know, so if you have any doubt, you'll know this is real because we caught it on videotape. Awesome. Let's and I see. was anxious. I was anxious to see that. Yeah. And they kept giving me these excuses. Well, we can't find the videotape. Um, or <laughs> right. It was in a box that was taken somewhere, and we're looking for it. And, right, because if you had proof uh, of the supernatural on video, the first thing you do is lose it. You, yeah, it's so, so hard to keep track of. It's not as if it's important. You wouldn't want to keep something like that in a safety to security to bo- talk deposit. About, no. Talk about money. You sell that to every news station on the planet. Of course, of course. I'm sure even never... Sally would want to see the raping ghost. <laughs> I don't have to demonstrate it. I've got it on video. He's raping me, see, right here. My favorite story that Carmen told for the book was, um, I think she was washing dishes, when one of the demons started to anally rape her. (laughs) Well, of course, there was soap nearby, so you have lubricant. (laughs) And she 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 was terrified, and it was hurting her, so she ran out of the kitchen, ran through the living room, and ran outside, and down the driveway to the road, and the the demon continued to aimly rape her the entire time. As just kind of clung to her ass, did he? Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the, those demons yeah. are hard to shake when they get in your ass. One of the demons did, apparently did a great Marlon Brando impression and said, "Get the butter." <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're going to be raped, it might as well be Marlon Brando. <laughs> So she'd tell you this with a straight face? Yes, she had a straight face, and um, her story has never gelled. Even all these years later, her story is still full of holes. And she she was on um, an Internet radio show. Oh, I can't remember the name of the show. It's uh, two guys on Beyond Belief, uh, I think. And I had done a show with them uh, some months before, and when the movie came out on DVD, she went on their show to plug it. And and they they let me know, so I listened. And she was telling the story, and she talked about how I came over to the house. She said that I was only there for a few minutes. I came in. I refused to sit down. I refused any drinks that she offered me, and I acted like I was better than everybody in the room. Oh, that's true. Well, now so I far, I have all that these. way while she was telling you so, the anal rape story or before? <laughs> so far, so good. 
No, no, I actually got to ask. Well, hang on. Let him let him finish his story. Let him finish his story. Well, well, she she um, she said that um, she told me at the time, ten years from now, you're going to suddenly say that this didn't happen. And she's telling this story now because now she's selling herself as a psychic. So (laughs) back then, she knew that that I was going to. She was a psychic, but she didn't know that the house that they were moving into was possessed by demons. Well, plus she was off by 10 years. If you started doing it right when the book popped out. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. But her her story still doesn't hold up. I called the show when she was on, and that was that was fun. Oh, awesome. <laughs> um, and she uh, attacked me and then retreated, and she would contradict herself in the same sentence, and finally resorted to tears and said that she didn't know why she was being treated this way. How could, really, be, uh, how could you be? How could you be so cruel? Why can't you leave her alone? How could you be so cruel to this poor I lady? Know. I can't wait any longer. I have to ask: Was she ever <laughs> vaginally raped? <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. Was she? Was she what? Was ever, she ever vaginally raped? Why <laughs> oh, is it all the cuckoos no. are about ass raping? Why is it none of the ghosts want to vaginally rape them? Why is it <laughs> none of the question. aliens want to vaginally probe? Because the ghosts' wives. Don't let them do anal. They gotta go and get it off of humans. They just have to learn the oops method. Oops. Sorry. So that's a good question. She was it no, always there was never any. There was never any vaginal uh, raping going on, and also so all of the she... ghosts were Catholic priests. <laughs> Every book that the, that the Warrens do has uh, anal rape in it because. Up until the mid-70s, they were doing ghost stories. All the stories were about ghosts and, and why the ghost was haunting this particular place and what happened that held the spirit there. And then The Exorcist came out. It was a huge hit, just a phenomenon. And um, they noticed that. So suddenly, all their ghosts became demons. And everything they investigated was <laughs> demonic. And all the demons, the demons were always, you know, bending people over the kitchen sink and and <laughs> having anal sex with them. Watch out for the butter uh, knives. Yeah, and this, of course, uh, makes one wonder about the Warrens, um, because there was no there was no anal sex in The Exorcist. That they came up with that on their own, <laughs> and they liked it so much that they put it into every story. <laughs> to be fair, they probably are getting that from their Catholic upbringing. Yeah, well, oh, well yeah. there's nothing yeah. like when someone's possessed and you're anally raping them and then their head turns around and looks at you. It's very sexy. <laughs> <laughs> I can see you've put a lot of thought into this, Leighton. Well, you know, I, I've been preparing in my own way for this interview. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, did they ever talk to you about the Amityville horror and their experiences with that? Oh yes, they uh, and they still maintain um, to his dying day. Ed maintained that that whole story was very real, and that there was a, a smear campaign going on to debunk it, to, to, to discredit the story, and that it all really happened. Even though the the and, people themselves came out and said it wasn't real. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They <laughs> it was real to him. It. Damn it. Well, there were a lot of things that were real to Ed. You know, um, <laughs> I learned. I learned later. <clears throat> I learned later that uh, before they started this this whole business of, of paranormal investigation, Ed uh, was having difficulty keeping a job. He had some mental problems, and he uh, was obsessed with haunted houses. And he loved to paint them. In fact, when I was there, he showed me there were all over the house there were paintings of haunted houses. 
and they were they were you know sort of gothic or Victorian looking houses with ghosts coming out the windows and stuff. Why is and it you can never you... have just a nice modern house with a ghost coming? <laughs> I know. Gothic. <laughs> <laughs> and Ed, um, this is this is what I was told, and and I've I, I've actually heard this from a couple of sources. Um, Ed painted haunted houses on dinner plates, and and Lorraine would take him around door to door, and he would sell the haunted house dinner plates. Um, Door to door, and I mean, you, you got to give him credit for originality. You know, he wasn't he wasn't trying to give away the Book of Mormon or tell anyone about Jesus. He was he, he was offering dinner plates with haunted glorified houses. Girl Scout. I probably would have bought some of those dinner plates. That sounds kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, but we're not exactly a normal audience. We have a haunted house. So. <laughs> But yeah, that's my that's my Ed and Lorraine uh, experience, and uh, they, you know, all the years that I've been telling this story, there's never been a peep out of them. They have never uh, mentioned me. They've never uh, denied anything that I've said. They've never threatened to sue me. There hasn't been a word until the movie came out, <clears throat> and um, somebody talked to Lorraine, and uh, she, of course, called me a liar and said that her husband was a wonderful man and would never say that the people who came to them were crazy. Right, of course. And, and he never swore, either. No. Never never no. cursed. He was an upstanding Catholic that wore a frock, so... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and um, I noticed also the priests that they get for their, uh, or claim to get, because I never met a priest. They they don't seem to be real priests. They seem to be former priests or wannabe priests or something. Nobody ever, uh, in fact, the Catholic Church has at one point denied that any priest of theirs was involved with uh, the warrants. So their their whole thing is a scam from top to bottom. Now, if I'm not mistaken, when the movie came out, uh, you said in some sort of interview that if something flashes up on the screen uh, based on a true story, that they're just trying too hard. Did you ever get much backlash for that statement? I, oh, I've gotten a lot of backlash from everything I've said about uh, about the Warrens, and no, I haven't. I, I didn't get any backlash from that. I the, the producer wanted me to be interviewed for the extra material on the on the DVD. <laughs> And I almost went along with it, but uh, he also wanted to interview the current residents of the house. And before I said yes to the producer, I heard from the woman who lives in the house. And she told me that um, the studio that behind the movie, um, Lionsgate, had put her street address on their website. And that people were harassing them and coming to the house, and they were very, very upset. Um, the producer got a hold of her and sent her an email in which he referred to me as this guy who was, you know, he kind of sarcastically referred to me as this guy who's telling the truth about the story. He put the truth in, in quotation marks. <laughs> and when he contacted me, he said, we just want to interview you with no, you know, we will have no viewpoint one way or the other. We just want to hear what you have to say. And after she forwarded his email to me, it became pretty clear that they already had an opinion. And that if I did the interview, I knew that after that it would be out of my hands and they could edit it any way they wanted to, and so I declined. And when I declined, then he offered me money, and I'd still declined. <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently you still aren't good at selling out. When are you going to learn? Yeah, I know. Exactly. I know. But uh, when I talk about the Warrens, they're 
followers, their fans and supporters, oh, they get so angry. They come after me, you know, on online and, and on uh, message boards or, or in comments of inter- the comment sections of interviews I've done. And they're like um, religious zealots, and they all say the same thing: "You're just do- saying this for money." Oh yeah, I know the money's just rolling in. <laughs> <laughs> right. There's I'm a lot, getting... lot of money in skepticism. Tons of money yeah. in skepticism. Yeah, Debunking. have you ever pointed out to these people, you know, the Warrens were good Catholics and you guys attacking me isn't very Christ-like, so the Warrens would look down on it? <laughs> no, I've, I've had a lot of, I've written a lot about atheism and religion in recent years, and, and I've had a lot of uh, exchanges with Christians over the years, and, and that, I found that to be, um, uh, it, it's pointless. It doesn't, it, <laughs> they, they don't care. Yeah, well, it's not the point that they care. It's the enjoyment you get out of rubbing their nose in it. <laughs> well, these Which days, I, if I do it, I do it for the sake of anyone observing. You know, I, I, yeah. I'm not out to change any of their minds. I know that's not going to happen. But all I have to do is disagree with them and sit back, and they pretty much dig their own hole. Um, they become angry, and then they start personal attacks and... Um, and I just sit back and let this happen and hope that other people, maybe people sitting on the fence or who aren't quite sure about this, will see these responses and, you know, get a look at what these people are like. Now, you talked to Carmen. Did you spend any time with the husband or the son who was allegedly uh, possessed himself? Uh, Al was there the whole time. Um, <clears throat> he didn't say much, though. He was very quiet. The son I got to talk to only once and very briefly and only on the phone. He was not around. And Carmen was uh, monitoring the phone call. And it didn't last very long because I started asking him some questions. And at one point, the boy said that all the things that he saw and heard went away as soon as he was put on medication. And then Carmen ended the phone call. (laughs) (laughs) Well, see, that was going to be my very next question, because they do bring up medication in both the documentary and the movie, but they state it's due to his cancer that... There is the possibilities um, of hallucinations. I have never seen any proof that he he had cancer. Uh, that's their story. It was their story at the time, and I and she couldn't seem to identify the specific kind of cancer that he had, which I found odd. Um, that's not very important. I mean, your son's dying of cancer. Yeah. You're a caring mother. You're moving to this house because <laughs> of your son's cancer, but it's not important to know what kind. <laughs> yeah, and the son, he was the one who, who told them that the house was, had demons in it, and Carmen, the psychic, never believed him. <laughs> <laughs> Until she was anally raped doing the dishes. Right. Yeah. And then, on, on the, you know, that uh, a current affair clip that I referred to earlier uh, on YouTube, it's in that they talk to Carmen, and they ask her, why did you stay in the house? Why, you know, all these horrible things are happening. You've got kids. Why didn't you get out? And she said, well, I think that when you have children, stability is important. <laughs> yes, because and they so, need their, their weekly anal rape. <laughs> need to be consistent. I'll put but up with was, the anal rapes. He Heaven was forbid. diagnosed schizophrenic, and he was taken, he was removed from the house and institutionalized because... One of the stories they tell is that a niece who was living them, with them was fondled by invisible hands. Well, those hands weren't invisible. They were Carmen's son's hands. Right. And when it was learned that he was doing this, he was taken out of the house. He was institutionalized for a while. And 
apparently he was institutionalized for schizophrenia at the same time that he was being treated for cancer. This is never, uh, I, um, like I said, the stories, all the stories are full of holes. Nothing jibes, nothing connects. Yeah, it might but be a little I'm, difficult to drive him between the psycho ward and the hospital <laughs> to get his yeah, treatments. <laughs> right. But um, that was the only time I talked to the son. The kids were, uh, I didn't talk to, they were they were around, but I didn't talk to them. I talked to Carmen and Al, and I talked to the Snedekers. I mean, pardon me, the Warrens, um, Ed and Lorraine Warren, and that was so, it. You didn't interview any of the ghosts or the demons? No, because I wasn't allowed. We weren't allowed near the house. <laughs> <laughs> of course not. <laughs> they, they drove us. They drove us over there. Ed and Lorraine um, drove us over there to show it to us. But they they parked across the street and down the street. Well, we're not supposed to get too close to the house. We've been told to stay away. <laughs> no, <laughs> That's because you're it. harassing the new tenants. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and of course everybody who's lived in the house since has had no problem. There are neighbors in the house. Who, I mean, in the in the neighborhood. Who uh, uh, there's a neighbor on the on the current affair tape uh, talking about how Carmen is crazy and and uh, that there's nothing nothing wrong. Carmen claims that they did not know that the house was a funeral home until they moved in and they started finding things. I heard from the fo- a former employee of the real estate company that that rented that house and the, the property uh, manager the property owner who rented that house and she said she told me she emailed me after reading one of my uh, interviews she told me that they used that in the advertising that it was advertised as a former funeral home that <laughs> right. there was never any it was never hidden it was never concealed but they knew going in right real um, estate law says you got to you got to be upfront with that stuff otherwise they come back and sue you for massive amounts of money, yeah, um, yeah. you find that out later that you know some terrible accident happened in the home, or there, there's something that might decrease the property value, and then it's a, a false uh, sale, basically. Yeah. Now I have to ask you: you went to the house, of course, you were parked on the other side of the street. In the movie, it has the house sitting next to a cemetery. Is that the same in real life? No, no, there was no cemetery. That's too bad, because I would have loved it if there was a cemetery next to it. <laughs> I loved how she moved her cancer-ridden son uh, to a house overlooking a cemetery. <laughs> That's very tactful. Well, it's just so you can get used to the property, honey. Exactly. Uh, don't worry, we're just easing you into the idea. <laughs> temporary home right now. Oh, Lord. Uh, yeah, I, th- I thought the whole um, Haunting in Connecticut movie was was pretty terrible. But they, I haven't they, seen the movie. They fictioned oh, it up. It gets even pretty when low did. when they start cutting off the eyelids and start carving in magical symbols into the dead bodies oh. and then burying them into the walls. It, 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 it hits a pretty good low at that point. Well, but you it, know, the, there are there are people who are very upset about what this whole story has done to the good name of the people who owned the fu- owned and operated the funeral home before the Snedekers moved in. They were apparently um, well, very well thought of people who, who uh, you know, ran their business honestly, and and now there's you know like uh, necrophilia and all kinds of crap in the story going on in, in the in the home, and of course none of that really happened. Well, if they don't scream and struggle, then it's okay, isn't it? <laughs> Good lord, dead girls don't say no. <sighs> yeah. 
Yeah, I haven't seen the movie. I've had my fill, really. And I and I also sort of have a policy against supernatural horror films that claim to be based on a true story. Um, that right there pretty much tips me off that they're just trying really hard to drag people into the theater. I'm about to make one exception to that rule, and that's um, The Right, the exorcism movie that's coming up. And the only reason I'm making an exception is that it's got Anthony Hopkins in it. And I'll watch anything with Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> <laughs> is this one going to have that displayed across it based on a true story? It already does. It says uh, actually yeah. the the it says uh, based on real events. Right. Oh, good. So it's going to be completely filled with lies. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, the, the Haunting you in know, Connecticut movie did the same thing based on true events, but they they just made up a whole bunch of shit about you know a seance and some kid who had some powers and this ectoplasm coming out and they tried to uh, expand oh, his powers God. by cutting off some eyelids and burying dead people in there. And, oh I mean, that, my God. All that stuff was just totally made up out of whole cloth. Yeah, they didn't but even don't attempt. worry, that boy was the protector. Based, was based, on, based on true events. Yeah, and as soon yeah. as he was pulled out, the demons really started the ass rapings. <laughs> 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 yeah, he plugged up the holes. He plugged up the rectums. Oh, they, yeah. They yeah, made he was blocking it. He was the sandwich. <laughs> 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 he made a mistake of getting rid of his ashes, and then all hell broke loose. <laughs> well, you know, I, the Coen brothers, when they made Fargo, they, they, there's, at the beginning it says that it's based on a true story. And um, when the movie came out, people were scrambling, trying to find out what true story it was based on. And then when they were interviewed, and they asked, what true story is this based on? Oh, it's not. We just made it up. <laughs> <laughs> people love a true story. Yeah. <laughs> there's no real regulations ba- you know, on where you can say that, huh? You just make no, shit up. And that's, that's fantastic. No, there's not at all. If, if it became illegal to say that, then, boy, religion would be in trouble. <laughs> well, Layton, we can uh, for our haunted house. We can put a uh, based on true events. Right? Yeah. I like this idea. Based on true events, and then we can just have pictures of corpses and yeah, just make shit. Yes, up. <laughs> it's fantastic. Well, you know what we need to do? We need to get the Warrens. Is the is the woman still alive? His wife? Yes, Lorraine is still alive. We should invite his wife to come into our haunted house and tell her some bullshit story so she'll begin to promote it. <laughs> there you go. And we can bring in a, a little cucumber or a, like maybe a broomstick or something. Just poke her a couple yeah. times. <laughs> uh, you're the one that's going to have to get behind her. I've seen the frock. It's scary. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they had uh, the, the Warrens, um, when I was at their house, they had a museum which essentially amounted to a haunted house, uh, attached to their house. And uh, they told me about it the day I got there, and I said, I'd like to see it. And they said, well, we can't take you in until after dark. So they wait until it gets dark, and they, they are great manipulators. You know, They know how to get people worked up into an emotional state. And um, they took me down this long corridor that was, of course, lined with paintings of haunted houses by Ed and they and into this this room that was filled with memorabilia from their cases you know there was a statue of the devil that had been possessed somehow there was a doll that came to life it was like the night gallery only a really 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 cheap version of the night gallery <laughs> and, with, and without and without Rod Serling 
but they they showed me all these relics from their cases and told me all these stories and um and it was very effective you know they had the lighting in there is very low and it's creepy and uh they were showmen they they know how to scare people didn't anybody people, ever ask them by owning these particular objects weren't they afraid of drawing the ghostly presences into their own home providing a connection? I asked them that I asked them that but everything Very had been neutralized nice. because it had been blessed by priests and, and prayed <laughs> over it or something well there you have been dipped in dipped in holy water I don't know but um, they had neutralized everything the demons had been cast out and uh, thrown into pigs, which then went off a cliff, I guess. I don't know. But, I, I've got uh, a solution for this, then. If if they have the ability to neutralize things, why don't they just put it in a spray can, and then you can just walk around your house <laughs> that, that air freshener and just spray your house clear? You know, I bet if somebody told that to Lorraine, she'd stomp her foot because she'd be so angry that they hadn't thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it takes an atheist to think outside the box. So. <laughs> yeah. And atheist, you know, that's that's uh, um, that's Lorraine's favorite way to dismiss their critics. When somebody says that they're frauds, that they they prey on people who do need help, but not from them. The first thing she's, oh, he's an atheist, and, right, and because... she seems to think that that's all she has to say to completely dismiss and discredit this person. And for the people who take them seriously, it's true. That's all you have to say. Right. They, you know, atheists don't have any morals. We um, no. Kind no, of a closed we all, system in this instance. Eat babies, yeah, we all worship eat Hitler. Babies and, yeah. <laughs> worship Hitler, have, and sodomize our house pets. Yep. Did you say it's, we were sodomizing our house pets? It's a rite of, it's a rite of passage, Leighton, into atheism. Why the hell hasn't anybody given me these rules? I would totally sodomize every animal I could find. Don't you get sick of that story, that question, you know, where do you get your morals if you don't believe in God? Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. I think because yeah. of all this uh, talk me? of ass raping, I think all this talk of ass raping, I'm going to sew in uh, exit only on the seat of my pants so the ghost can't <laughs> I think we need to get you your first tattoo. We'll have hamster tracks leading to your ass and then an exit only <laughs> tattooed across the top of it. I think that should be your first tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, the morality thing really, it kills me, because in their heads, it's a stumper for atheists, right? You cannot, cannot, cannot have morality if you don't derive it from God. Of course, yeah. they don't go through the hard work of actually proving or providing any evidence for the existence of God. Uh, so they're, they don't realize they're in the same boat as everyone else. You know, All you have is an authoritarian system. You have just a book that someone wrote down, and it has a list of rules in it, most of which are actually pretty piss poor rules yeah, look at the ten commandments they're not even following I mean find me one person who's following the Deuteronomy rape laws <laughs> well thank so, god they're not following them I love it when people tell me that they they live their lives according to the bible really yeah. so when your your children are disobedient you kill them yes and it, you think that brides who are not virgins when they get married should be killed I mean, you see, the, right? Uh, you see someone eating at McDonald's on the Sabbath, and you immediately bash his head in with a stone. Right. Well, you see, they can't do that on the Sabbath. They have to wait till the day after. Bashing no. their head in with a stone would would actually equate to work. Right. Well, no, they they <laughs> they did that to the guy who was picking up sticks on the Sabbath in the Old Testament. They took him out mm -hmm. town and killed him. Well, 
I know there's a, a rule to how many steps they can take. I wonder if there's a rule <laughs> as to how many stones they can throw. Pro- uh, probably so. Probably so. Well, you know, I grew up with a few of those rules because I was raised a Seventh-day Adventist. And Did you often go out stoning people? Is that why this rule no, is brought? No, but, but I wasn't allowed to eat pork or seafood, and uh, the Sabbath began sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. We couldn't do anything except go to church. But they, they, they cling to a couple of those extra laws uh, in that particular cult. Uh, what I can't remember. Seventh-day Adventists and birthdays, are they okay with that or not? They're okay they with that. I think that's the Jehovah's Witnesses. Oh, that's the like this. Yeah, it's, we've, America's got these three major pseudo-Christian cults, the, the Mormons, the Jehovah's Witnesses, and the Seventh-day Adventists. And they all came up at pretty much the same time, and they were all founded by complete nutburgers. Um, well, if I'm not mistaken, Jehovah's Witnesses was started right in the same exact area that Joseph Smith started. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And, and the Seventh-day Adventists started in the uh, 1800s. It was started by Ellen G. White. Um, they the girl who had her face smashed in, yes. Yeah, got hit in the head by a rock and then started seeing visions. She had a crush on uh, Miller, William Miller. Yeah, and she right. refused to believe that he was wrong about uh, his prediction in 1844 that that Jesus was going to come back. He admitted it was a mistake, but she refused, and she came up with some wild story that explained it all away, and bang, the Adventist Church was born. Well, see, and, and that's the problem. In a relationship, when you have someone trying too hard, you suddenly get religions popping out of these relationships. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. If only My plastic favorite. surgery was back then, then maybe he he could have you know got with her. But you know. yeah, you know they say that I see uh, I grew up around pictures of Ellen White, and they they say that her face was disfigured because she got hit in the head with that rock. That's not true. This is just their way of covering up the fact that this woman was uglier than a jar of warts. <laughs> uh, she, was, she was really ugly. She was scary. Look, I used to have nightmares about her when I was a kid. <laughs> in all on all of her pictures, she looked very stern and menacing. The truth is, Ellen G. White was so ugly that it was the rock that was disfigured when it came in contact yeah. with her face. <laughs> well, I've seen that in in my own family. In fact, I have a sister in law that happened to. The rock was irreparably damaged. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, most Adventists are uh, vegetarians. They have the the Adventist cult is very proud of its its health message. And uh, part of that health message is, is veg- a vegetarian diet, but they, most of them don't know the roots of that because <clears throat> back in 18-something or other, Ellen White received a message or a, a vision from God, and she was told that masturbation is the worst threat to man, that it causes diabetes, heart problems, brain trouble, bleeding in the lungs, death. And that eating meat and spicy foods inflames the animal passions in a person and makes them want to masturbate. So meat eating leads to meat beating. And <laughs> <laughs> was that on a poster while you were growing up? No, no, that I came up with that myself. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'd like to put it on a poster and have it distributed to ads in the schools. I'd like to see that as a bumper sticker. That would certainly <laughs> put a stop to meeting, at least in some country. Yeah, she, we did a podcast on that, and she had some uh, pretty impressive things to say about masturbation. She went on and on and on about it. Um, mm-hmm. Apparently, masturbation is a whole lot worse than, for instance, anal rape. Yeah. yeah. Much like oh, demons. Sure. 
Of course, you know that anybody who screams that much against something is because they are enjoying it far too much themselves, and they think it's a sin. So I could see Ellen being as ugly she, as she was, uh, <laughs> double-clicking her mouse on a Saturday night. Well, in one of her books, it was her first booklet, really, which is which began her health message. Uh, it was called An Appeal to Mothers, and it was an appeal to mothers to get their kids to stop playing with themselves. Um, <laughs> and in that book, she claims that she herself has no experience with masturbation, but she's been told these horror stories about the evils uh, of, of the addictive masturbation from people who told her them on told her the stories on their deathbed because they were they were dying of they had masturbated themselves to death, I guess, and they had well, you know, themselves. sometimes you're just too thirsty afterwards and you can't reach the faucet, so <laughs> I'm sure dehydration was a high cause. Of- <laughs> it's it's like the old west when they have all these criminals about to be hanged and they see any last words. Please don't grow up like me. I've been horrible. I've been bad. Yeah. I've been criminal. So that's what this was. Huh? Don't, don't masturbate oh, yeah. like me. I can guarantee and, you on my deathbed, those are going to be my last words. Oh, <laughs> masturbated myself into a coma. <laughs> well, you know, Ellen White was very close to um, Kellogg. Uh, now I can't remember his first name. Uh, the, the cereal the company guy. guy, yeah. He um, had his sanitarium where he gave people enemas. He was really into enemas. And <laughs> noticing this rectal fixation with religious folk. This is what I'm yeah. talking about. Where's all the vaginal raping going on? Um, he would. Uh, he gave the same. Maybe he got it from Ellen. I don't know. But he gave, he he told the same story about masturbation, about how evil it was and how unhealthy and how it would kill you. And people would come into him and say, "I can't stop masturbating." And so he would do things like put acid on their genitals. Oh my God. Uh, he did this especially to women. Put acid on their genitals to make them make it so sore that they couldn't masturbate. Or he would remove the clitoris. No, I'm, um, I'm curious, um, Charlie. You're a doctor. Um, yes. With your medical opinion, the the fact that I now want to go and rape me a, a box of Kellogg's Frosted Flakes <laughs> is, that, is that bad? Listen. Eating a box of Frosted Flakes is essentially equivalent to having your genitals acid poured all over them. <laughs> it's essentially the same thing. Okay, so it's not just me. You have the same uh, desire. Yes. Yeah, the Seventh-day Adventist Church, it, it's the church that um, William Miller's mistake and masturbation built. <laughs> You're right, Leighton. I now want to anally rape the bottom flap of the Kellogg's Corn Flakes box. Uh, what? They're I mean, great. if he was giving it to everybody, <laughs> why can't we? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's amazing, absolutely amazing to me, that, that Miller thing where, you know, people quit their jobs, sold their houses, and they're just sitting oh, on yeah. hilltops, thousands of them waiting for Christ to come again. Oh, look, they're the doing it, again. it must be Christ. Dope. They're, they're doing it again right now. May 21st is supposed to be the day the rapture takes place. Right. I'm going to be there, impressed there is, if people actually sell their homes and quit their jobs for this one. Um, I don't know. Maybe they aren't going that far, but I, I know that they, they are making serious adjustments in their life and getting prepared. I think atheists should um, pull just a huge hoax on them. And on May 21st, we should all go into hiding and leave behind little piles of clothes <laughs> so it looks like we were raptured and they were left behind. <laughs> 
I like the way you think. Uh, well, I will completely idea. strip down naked for that day. Can you imagine <laughs> these guys' disappointment then they walk out in the street and they see a bunch of clothes? Oh, shit! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. We just need to get enough on our side. I like this idea. Yeah. Love it, love it. Well, uh, we uh, I really enjoyed this hour. We ought to have you back just to talk about regular atheist stuff. Sure, that would be great. I'd love to do that. Fantastic. Well, I mean, you, you I, I have, have these a... great slogans you've worked up, so hey. <laughs> <laughs> I have a I have a book that I'm uh, trying to unload um, called The United States of Jesus about the attempts to theocratize America by the religious right. And uh, my agent didn't want to handle it because he was afraid of the controversy. And so now I'm having to peddle it on my own. I just haven't managed to do that yet. Well, I is think I should have you back on to discuss that. That sounds very interesting. Is it published? Is there somewhere we can buy no, it? No, it's, it's not published yet, but I'm working on it. Gotcha. Well, All right. Um, if you want to come back on and interview that, is there any way we could get uh, the manuscript and read it over ourselves before having you oh, back? Oh, sure. On? I'd be happy to send it to you. That would be yeah. fantastic. Yeah, let's do that and have you back on to discuss that. That would be, be awesome. Okay, great. Well, I've enjoyed it too, guys. Fantastic. Thanks for coming on the show. Um, and yeah, we'll definitely have you back. Um, any last words about anal rape? I don't think we've discussed that enough today on the show. <laughs> um, don't bend over for the soap. <laughs> Layton? So basically jail room rules. <laughs> Layton, any, any tips that you that have been particularly successful with you for avoiding ghostly anal rape? Uh, well, uh, mostly I just accept the tip. It's the chef. <laughs> <laughs> you don't mind getting anally. That's why you've never mentioned it before. It's happened. You just don't really mind. It's just the tip. That's what they always say. So. <laughs> well, Charlie, do you have any anal sayings you would like to end with? Uh, Maybe a, a nice uh, commercial for lubrication? Just that duct tape is your friend. I can't shit anymore, but at least I don't get anally raped. Is that like wrapping tinfoil around your ass? You just stuff it up your ass, a bunch of tinfoil up your ass, and then duct tape the exit. <laughs> and then when you shit it out, look, a giraffe. That does a, <laughs> that does a pretty good job. It's not 100% effective, but it's the most effective treatment I've found so far, medically speaking. Uh, the, the one you practice the most, I think. It's it. a preventative measure. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, on well, that note, I think we should end. <laughs> maybe we ought to talk to uh, uh, Lorraine Warren about that. She'd probably have practical tips for us to avoid anal rape. Well, she should well, by she now. She's been dealing with it enough. <laughs> Ray, if you could give her a call and just let us know. Oh, yeah, she's going to take my call. <laughs> <laughs> well, you awesome. two are old friends. Exactly. <laughs> All right, well, Ray. I'm an atheist. <laughs> you guys take care. Thanks for having me. Thanks a bunch. Take care. Yeah, thanks for coming. Bye bye.